Hour number two. Wildcat insider Mitch Fortner and the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. On the other side of the glass, birthday boy Troy Coverdale and A.J. Shaw running the board today. Our phone number is 537-1350. They're open for the rest of the show. We'll take your phone calls about K-State football, Big 12 football. We're all t- we're talking all about it in this hour as we'll preview the offense here in um, in just a moment. I had a question for you, Wyatt, before we uh, get going on this offense here, looking at the Cats offense in 2023. With preparation, like when do you start football – preparation once again like I tend to be a bit of a last minute studier sometimes is that right um like SEMO I looked into him quite a bit today Mm -hmm. in preparation for today had didn't know a whole lot about it to be honest with you prior to today but I know like heck you're you're probably carrying around like basketball charts in September <laughs> I think I've seen that once in a while you are you definitely get ahead of the game well I'll show you here what I got in my hands today okay SEMO Troy and Mizzou K-State football so you're already prepping for Mizzou oh yeah you have okay. to okay and, and then um, of course I've got my K-State basketball chart that I don't look at all that much but I will as, as time goes on I scare you a little bit I mean I think we're less than 90 days from basketball season anymore it's they're so close together now it's it's pretty I think you have to work ahead yeah. I probably if I'm being honest and trying to answer your question I probably work more ahead now than than I've ever done in my life and part of that is opportunity you know as an example in the old days our catbacker tour started the second week of May and we went to the end of June now it's more like just two weeks long so you know, I can spend a little bit of time in June. Now, there's only so much you can do, right, at that particular point. But you can do a, a few things and familiarize yourself a lot with – because, I mean, I'll give you a little bit of example. I'm sure we're going to touch on the Big 12 here in a little bit. But how, try this one on for size because I was looking at this today, and it just – it, it kind of blew me away. Pardon me for sifting through some, good. Pap- some papers to find it. But try this one on for size. Wrote these little notes down about UCF, the the team that, that says, don't call me University of Central Florida, right? I mean, okay. They're UCF, okay? Okay. Here's what you need to know. Nine or more wins in five of the last six years, okay? That's a fairly decent stat, but it's not going to rattle your cage necessarily. Try this one on. 79 was their first year of football. So 79 through 2022. UCF has gone from the following things. D3, D2, FCS, FBS, and in the FBS they've been in the MAC, Conference USA, the AAC, and now the Big 12. Got anybody out there that can match that? No, that's quite the journey. (laughs) I would say. When I read that, I was like, wow, that's doing it. I mean, heck, we didn't have a group of five jump into the Power Five. You know, that <laughs> took forever for just that to happen. That's crazy. Uh, meanwhile, who was it? I think it was Jacksonville State. I was trying to watch every game I could sure. yeah. on Saturday, and I, you know, I picked Jacksonville State. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, Dana Dimmel. And by the way, he has a bunch of cats on his on his staff. A bunch former former cats yeah. for sure. But uh, I did pick Jacksonville State to beat UTEP uh, back on Friday. But Jacksonville State was one of them. Like they started. D3 and then D2 and then D1 or oh, yeah. you know FCS and then they finally first year as an FBS program and they win their first game and it was a conference game by the way because Conference USA was looking to expand and they did yeah uh, with four more teams uh, so just more that maybe you didn't hear about with conference realignment that's that's a conference and by the way 
talk, we're going to talk about SEMO in the next segment, but they're also going through a bit of conference realignment because the Big South and Ohio Valley are, I guess, merging. Kind of in a merger agreement. It's a little bit different uh, than what some have done. But in all honesty, they're trying to protect who and what they are uh, in an ever-changing world of of college athletics, and it's worked out really pretty well for them. And and back to the studying part, too, keep in mind now there's four new schools to study. Um, Even though we're not playing but two of the four, I mean, you got to still know something about them right and and, and and try to follow what they're doing and what have you so i've kind of done a depth chart outline for all of those teams over the course of oh say from first of june till you know almost the first of september let's take a look at the k-state offense now wyatt um expectations and just what we you know just with the depth chart coming out today our reaction i guess we could start a quarterback with will howard Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do you have a? Everybody has a nickname for him. Do you have a nickname for Will, or you just call him Will? I would say, generally speaking, most of the time, I just I just call him Will. But you know, he's. I mean, I've I've heard several others, um, and he's becoming more and more popular, isn't he? I mean, well, after you win that Big Twelve championship, well, yes. sure, it, that's It'll part of it. That, but sure. it's also his. I mean, I'm sure you saw the little piece that they did uh, where he was walking around interviewing some yeah. of the players, and, and including Christian Duffy. That was a pretty good little piece, by the way. Uh, uh, some of the K State um, social media people are so gifted. I know people talk about that all the time, but they are really, really good at what they do, and it, that, that. So he's. You know he's still developing as a person as a player and all of that, but man, he's a great young man and he's fun to be around. He has a great. I think I told you, you know, waiting for the media thing the other day with, on Philip Brooks, and I look around and he's throwing the football around after a two-hour practice to a couple of eleven-year-old kids. I mean, oh, he, nice. he's, he's loves the game, man. I, I can de- definitely tell he has relaxed <laughs> a little bit over the last few years since he was a true freshman and going through sure. those growing pains and probably hearing it from social media and you know then finally it's it's I mean two thumbs up positive reviews about where Will Howard took his game in 2022 well that's it that's that's the real key isn't it I mean when you get right down to it and I even made a note of this today I mean you think about Will Howard's passer rating over the final five weeks of last year almost 160 159.4 the only two guys in the country that were better than that were Caleb Williams and Bo Nix. How about that? That's pretty impressive. A Heisman Trophy winner, and then somebody may be a candidate for a Heisman Trophy That's right. this year. That's right. Of course, the Pac-12 this year has like they're, – they're about to disband and just dissolve, and they're about to have their best season ever. Yeah, <laughs> especially Pac- from a quarterback perspective. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Uwe Ungole, or however you say his name, is at Oregon State. Uh, Michael Penix at Washington. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Caleb Williams and Bo Nix. Probably somebody I'm forgetting, but Caleb's okay. crazy. And um, oh, uh, Rising from Utah, Cameron Rising. I think he's hurt right now, but that's another pretty big deal in the Pac-12. Yeah, that's probably their biggest. And and I know it's sad that to a degree that they're blown up after a hundred years or whatever. But keep an eye out on them this year because there is excellent quarterback play throughout that league. But back to Will Howard. So I, I've thrown out these possible. I thought you know. There's a lot of expectations we could throw out there, like things these guys can do. We're not going to check all those boxes, but to throw out what I think could definitely happen this year, and I did get a lot of disagreements with me, but I think with Will as the quarterback, 
and we saw how much his arm and just the passing game improved when he came in in that TCU game, expect greater things just out of the passing game as a whole, even though and I throughout this comparison. You know, Jake Waters was the last to throw for 3,000 yards, but he had, you know, two guys that he could rely on to get 1,000 yards apiece, Curry Sexton and Tyler Lockett. And Tyler Lockett's mm-hmm. the best wide receiver in, in program history. Don't necessarily have Tyler Lockett talent, but there is some talent, some still to be proven. You know, Keegan Johnson has a lot of upside to him, expecting some big things, potentially to be the number one guy at wide receiver. Matter of fact, you maybe hope so. But R.J. Garcia is another guy that is looking to really prove himself, and Phillip Brooks is back. Mm-hmm. I think, by the way, don't forget about Ben Sennett. True. Ben Sennett's going to be a really big deal about in that passing game. But I'm thinking, you know what, 3,000 yards, maybe setting this the new record for most passing touchdowns in a career, passing touchdowns in the season, I think is 24. I mean, I think it is all a possibility. Will it happen? You know, maybe odds say that it doesn't, maybe with the touchdowns. But if you look at last year's numbers, if Will Howard played the full season and everything was on track, on pace, he breaks all the records. I, w- I would add that. I would add this to, to what you're saying. All of that is, is pretty legitimate. There, there are a lot of quality people around him. But you didn't mention an offensive line that has its top eight players back. Sorry, guys. You I, did I know not you're mention, elite beef. <laughs> you did not mention Treshawn Ward. You did not mention DJ Giddens. Those are pretty significant pieces, too. Um, I, I happen to think that there's a couple of other guys on the roster that are going to do some really neat things this year. Garrett Oakley would be one who's a young tight end who I, I think the coaches are really excited about. So the point is, is that Will, and I've said this a lot, is a better player today than he was at any time last year. I'm convinced of it. I think mm. the coaches will tell you that. I think he is confident. Um, he's farther along now in the development and, and just all of the things that he has become better at, whether it's release, footwork, all of those types of things. So he's got a lot of things in his corner is the point, right? So he should be better with with all of that plus the, the things that are around him. Now, does he have a Deuce Vaughn? No, and that's significant. I mean, nobody likes Deuce Vaughn any more than you and I, right? For the most part. I mean, I mean he know. was hashtag my boy. <laughs> so that's that's irreplaceable, really. Okay? But what I would say is uh, those two running backs, I think, in tandem can give K-State some awfully good numbers. I just don't know if at the end of the day, when you talk about explosive plays, you're going to have one guy on this offense that'll have – 30 or 35 plays with 20 or 25 yards or longer, right? That's what we don't know. Could Keegan be that? Maybe. We'll see. Treshawn, we'll see. I, I just don't know. But I do think it's – and here's another factor for you. You're number two for Colin Klein as the full-time coordinator. Yeah. Common sense would say he'll be better too. Well, and you know, one of my favorite things that was said in all of this preseason, and it was from Big 12 Media Days, when Coach Kleiman said – you know, I feel like we're just scratching the surface of this offense, and I, yep. I, mean, I totally agreed with that because of year two of, of Colin Klein and that how he showed that he was fearless. He's, he's a fearless offensive coordinator. He's not afraid to go for it. Him and Coach Kleiman, they read each other so well. They know what they want to do. They're confident in what they want to do. And you got a veteran group now with Will Howard, who's as confident as he's ever been, 
and now we're talking, you know, potential NFL hype for Ben Sinnott. Ben Sinnott, and I've said this many times, and I don't know if this will be new to you. I think this is a tight end, K State tight end, Mount Rushmore year for Ben Sinnott. You know, over 400 yards last year, it's not the most in the world. That doesn't get you close to being one of the best tight ends in America, but for K State standards, that's pretty big. Sure. But he could easily exceed 400 something yards this year. Well, that's kind of what I why I said in part what I said a moment ago with I think DJ and Treshawn are going to get their rushing yards. I think both guys can run inside and out. Both guys can catch. There are a lot of things there. But, you know, it's all about protecting the whole field, right? And you can't you can't take everything away. You know, okay, let's say somebody team A wants to take away Keegan, okay? There's Philip Brooks out there. There's Ben Sennett out there. Those two running backs. Garrett Oakley. I mean, again, that's that's what you want. Options. And then with 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 Colin as the coordinator, you're you're you can play at so many different paces and styles, right? I mean they could they could play two tight ends. They could play three tight ends. They could play five wides. I mean they they have a lot of options. And I've I've said this before too. I think they'll play those two running backs together some. I really do. That'll be interesting to watch. Sure it would. Especially if, like, I don't know how they line. I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure they're not going to throw out the Veer formation or anything. <laughs> but maybe roll one out and do a slot or something. And you know, I already know about DJ Giddens. He didn't have the most catches in the world last year. I, don't, I can't remember how many he had, eight or nine maybe. But it just took one or two to know that, okay, this guy has some pass-catching talent. And I remember one particular catch against TCU, the road, the road game in, at TCU. Yeah. Where he had one really big catch. And and a like, that's against all I Alabama to see. too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's another guy that's made his way, and you know, this is his first real opportunity uh, to to be one of the lead guys, and I'm excited for him. I I think that he's got a high ceiling. Simply stated. Now, Treshawn Ward, we have not seen yet, and mm-hmm. I know we've talked about him, but. Watch him in practice, and I know he's a different running back when it comes to size a little bit and maybe style, but what they do have in common is to pick up yards, and they're, yeah. they're tough to tackle. Well, Treshawn is 5'9"-ish. Um, I think he's a better receiver than you know, I thought that I thought he was going to be. Um, I'm going to respect anybody that walks in an average 6.6 yards of carry in the ACC. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just being honest about that. That's pretty legitimate. Now, he didn't have, you know, Deuce Vaughn amount of carries, but he was he was productive. And I think as fans get to see him here for the first time and, you know, a few times here in in September, I think they're going to like what they see. He's a he's a real solid football player and knock on wood, you, you keep those guys healthy because uh, it's it's not easy to do that at this level of competition. Well, I'll put you on the spot here. I mean, if you looked in your crystal ball and DJ Giddens, Treshawn Ward, do you feel like one guy is going to exceed the other or it could be a 50-50 deal for I, the most part throughout the that's season? That's a really good question. Uh, and I could see it going either way. I'm not trying to evade the question. But I think over the course of 12 games, and especially if they play a little bit together, I, I think the numbers will be more similar than, than not. Does that make sense? Because I think they love DJ, but they also love Dreshawn, and I think they're both going to get ample opportunity. Hope that answers the question, because I, 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 
I don't think there's a, a, a top back and a, and a second back. I think they're, even though they're different, I think the people that run this football program feel like production-wise their numbers can be pretty similar. Well, And I, I think I, I've, that's got to be best-case scenario, right, that they end up being equals, they're getting the same amount of touches, being as productive as each other. I mean, I think that's the best thing you can ask for as well, long as it's you know, really positive. You know, and, and maybe we're wrong, too. I mean, is it out of the realm of – not that I'm comparing him to this guy, but what, what happens if DJ gets the start and he's, he just runs and runs and runs and next thing you know everybody's comparing him to Brees Hall? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I mean, we, that's you don't know. You don't know. I mean, you go back to last year when when Adrian got dinged up, everybody's going, uh-oh. They're not saying uh-oh about Will Howard anymore. Things change over the course of time, right? Mm-hmm. I just think the the upside for both of those guys is, is you know, uh, good enough, quality enough that we're – the odds are that they'll be somewhat similar. I think. To wrap up on the offense, you have some uh, thoughts on the offensive line and how you know everybody's back from a year ago, but also on a on the depth side of things. I mean, I'm I'm feeling all right about Carver Willis taking over that spot at right tackle for a game or two. Sure, Car- Carver's gotten better, and he's up to you know two ninety plus. It's been difficult for him to to gain weight over the course of his career, and not only gain weight but keep it on. But but you know he's been in the program a little while now. Uh, I, I think he's. Uh, you know, he's a junior, 290, good athlete, good frame, all of those kind of things. He, you know, he doesn't have uh, Duff's experience, but but I, I think he'll be all right. And and let's say maybe he stumbles out of the gate. Let's let's say if that's on the table. And I don't think he will, but let's say he doesn't play great in the little, first little bit. There's enough depth and and what have you there where you have some versatility in other guys that they can mix and match. And, and, and I mean, I mean everybody knows what Cooper Beebe is. He can literally play anywhere. And you have some versatility with Andrew Lanegang and with Hayden uh, – I'm not uh, – uh, Hadley Panzer. Um, uh, you got a, a tackle that can play either side and John Pastore. Those are things that you – you love that. Sam Hecht can play guard and center. So there are a lot of options there. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on when it comes to uh, special teams. Oh, I think I brought my paper in here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I saw Keegan Johnson was going to be the – oh, here we go. Yeah. Keegan Johnson is going to be the other kick returner alongside Phillip Brooks. Have you seen him return any kicks? Sure. Yeah. And, and I think the competition there has been good. I mean, those, those guys listed are – Brooks and Keegan at the kick return, and Brooks and Seth Porter at the punt return. But there are other guys that may get an occasional, you know, look or opportunity. You knew Philip was going to be the primary punt return guy because he's been one of the best in the country for what a couple of two or three years now. The real question was, can he do all of those other things and then be the lead kick return guy too? We'll see how that goes. He's pretty good as the number two guy, and if Keegan, you know, fulfills that, great. Right, but uh, it, it's kind of a nice feeling to think that Philip could be there to to be the number one guy if, if needed because he's he's very gifted in the return. Well, I'm glad Coach Kleiman for special teams and quality control brought in Chili Davis. I, you know, I I, I felt like something like that was necessary because it just felt like last year, even though it w- didn't have a kickoff return for a touchdown, it still gobbled up yards. I mean, real close. A, a handful of times, of oh, really yeah. breaking one, yeah. Yeah. but also at the same time, felt like there was just something missing. 
from kickoff return. Well, I, I think a lot of people probably would have that thought because, again, we're spoiled around here with special teams excellence, especially in the return games, right? And and probably as good most years in the coverage of those said kicks, right? I mean, they're they're stand out there, and there are a lot of guys that have made their way onto the field first in special teams here that went on to have really, really fine careers. You mentioned Curry Sexton would be – I mean, I don't want to start naming a lot of guys, but, you know, he went from a guy that was playing a little bit of special teams to a 1,000-yard receiver. That doesn't happen every day in a, in a lot of programs. And and I, I guess I'll throw this out here. I, I'm, I'm happy about this, proud about this, but start counting up all the Kansas kids and the walk-on mm-hmm. kids that K-State is known for this, this – uh, this roster is not going to disappoint K-Staters on that that front either. I mean, I was looking at the offensive side. Three or four starters <laughs> are former walk-ons. Ben Sinnott, Phillip Brooks, and uh, you said Hayden Gillum was a walk-on. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who else was, but there's a bunch of walk-ons on this team that are going to play. I mean, that, that's K-State football, though. Sure. K-State football, for as long as I can remember, walk-ons making a big deal out of themselves and yeah. proven to be legit and we continue with Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. You know, something we did not talk about with the two deep is uh, we go back to quarterback. There's that or between <laughs> Jake Rubley and Avery Johnson. So it makes you kind of wonder, you know, maybe for Jake, it's not an every scenario type of number two he's found himself in. Maybe if you absolutely need to get there, Avery Johnson might show up in year number one. Well, I do have to say this. This is no reflection of Jake Rubley doing anything wrong. It's more about the ability of Avery Johnson. But in addition to that, how quickly he has adapted to this level of football, going back to January when he first came to campus, learning the offense, going through spring ball, then summer, then camp. I've said this about other guys, but it's it's the truth. And I, I have had coaches say that this guy has made as quick of an adjustment to the college game as a quarterback, which is really hard, probably better than, than most, if not, if not all. That, that's pretty high praise. And his – I mean, we all see the skill set, right? I mean, he can really spin it. He can run. You've got breakaway speed abilities. All of those kind of things are very obvious. Um, it, it'd be like – how would I equate that? It would be like scouting a 19-year-old LeBron James. Any idiot can see that he can play. Yeah. Right? It's, it's the intangible stuff. I didn't mean to – I shouldn't have said idiot, I suppose. But anyone oh, no. could t- – If, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. couldn't tell, <laughs> if you couldn't tell LeBron yeah. James is good at 19 years old. You're right. right. But you get the idea, though. All of those things, um, quarterback is such a unique position, too. And because you have to have command of the huddle and, and so much is on your plate, and you sit there, and I remember there was a, a time when I'm watching practice, and Avery is in the pistol and gets the snap and drops the snap. The play ends. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to kick the ball or he's going to duck his head down or whatever. What does he do? He immediately looks to the sideline for the next signals. I'm going, okay, this is different. He's had enough success that he's by that part of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he is a confident kid without being cocky. 
He's, he's very skilled. But again, I repeat this, the progress in a short amount of time that he has made is pretty special, really. Special. Is there anybody that we haven't brought up or somebody that we have that maybe is a newcomer and a young guy, name or two, that you're, you're really excited to watch finally well, play after well, all this hype? <laughs> well, I, I think I could pick a lot of different players here in different positions. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think there are a couple that I would name on the offensive side of the ball. I, I think you're really going to appreciate – whether it's this year in a handful of games, and I don't know the decisions necessarily been made here, but Joe Jackson, the running back, nice-looking player. Um, he's going to be a factor at, at some point. And then Trey Spivey, the receiver uh, from, from Chandler, Arizona, really good size. Um, I think he's going to be a really good – there are a lot of other guys you can name, but those guys – and I'm not counting Garrett Oakley in this, who's a redshirt freshman. I think Garrett is going to be – a guy that helps immensely right away, okay? On the defensive side, I think you could just kind of look through here real fast. I, I, I am a big fan so far of Kenigel Thomas, the corner. Good. I think he, I like that. I think he will play and, and some this year. The question is, do they want to just burn the red shirt and let's go because he's there? I think that's the real question we don't know. Asa Newsom is an easy one because he's on the depth chart, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so that one, that one is there. Um, and I just, this is me wondering out loud here. I think Cheedy's going to play uh, at OBI's or defensive end, but I wonder if there's any chance at all that we might see a Jordan Allen or Ryan Davis, at least for a little bit, you know, down the line. Those kids are going to really be darn good players here, and they're, they're more ready than you think. I've spent all summer saying when Felix Anudike Uzama walked in here, he walked in here at 215 <laughs> yeah. pounds. So well, can what, yeah. Chidi, Jordan, and Ryan Davis all walk in at 6'4"-ish and 240 or better. That's a pretty big difference, to be honest, right? Yes. I mean, it, it just is, physically. Well, you want to talk about – the Red Hawks yeah. of SEMO, the 11th ranked team in the country when it comes to the FCS or the defending Ohio Valley Conference champions, made it to the uh, playoffs last year, but they got bounced in the first round and then finished up with a 9-3 uh, season. What stands out to you about SEMO? Uh, uh, to be honest with you, there's a couple of things that, that stand out. One, their coach has all kinds of Kansas ties. Yes, he ties. does. Yep. Silver Lake, Kansas is home. Fort Hay State grad. He's coached at places like Emporia State, Coffeyville Community College. Uh, Pitt, I mean, he just goes on and on and on there. So he he's kind of Kansas, 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 right? And he's he's been a winner there. Uh, even through COVID, where they started and had a good year, and then COVID hit, and they were down a little bit, and now, boom, boom, last couple of years, they've been pretty solid again. That's one thing that stands out. Then you look at... It's a veteran team, really veteran team. 14 returning starters. Yeah, and 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 difference-making guys. I, I, I highlight on my study sheet here three guys that are All-America-type players, one at each level on the defense. Stephen Lewis, a tackle. Bryce Norman, their Mike linebacker, middle linebacker, and then their strong safety, Lawrence Johnson. Strong safety with 11 tackles for loss last year, so he's going to get to the line of scrimmage and make some plays, right? 
Uh, the other thing that I guess I would add to that is for a lot of years, they've always had a transfer quarterback. Well, they don't need necessarily one this time because the guy that came in as a transfer a year ago is back in a, as a starter, and that's uh, Paxton DeLaurent. And they have a running back in Geno Hess. I don't remember how many yards he has in his career, but it's over 4,000, I think, if so I'm not he, mistaken. So he uh, he's the program leader. And, he, and he's uh, about your size. About, yeah, about every <laughs> uh, rushing statistic, and he's also looking to become like the best rusher in Ohio Valley Conference history. Yeah. Yeah, I know all about Geno Hess. He ran for over 1,600 yards and, by the way, averaged 7.2 yards per carry He last has 4,293 career all-purpose yards. That's, that's unbelievable, isn't it? No, he's a he, he he's legit. Well, I'll, and I'll say this, you know, last 4, year four thousand one hundred twelve rushing yards. That's they, a lot of yards, man. They, they did lose forty two to ten to Iowa State last year. They did, and they they're not. I mean, like all FCS teams, their record is not good against the FBS, right. and I guess you can understand that. I'm not trying to make them out to be the seventy something Steelers or or whatever. But for their level, they're they're pretty good and they're experienced and they're used to winning and those things matter, right? They matter. For sure, you, you got to take them seriously, and, and and I think certainly Kansas State will respect them. I, they've got a coach that was at NDSU and kind of knows that underdog thing, and you know it's just kind of what it is. Give you a couple of thoughts. First of all, you mentioned Gino Hess. Yes, I, I was watching some film on him earlier today. <laughs> that kid good. is a runner. He, yeah, he is. He's not the fastest guy in the world, right? But he, he's pretty strong. He's what five eight, and he's two hundred and twenty five pounds. Yeah, he's tough. Yeah, v- very yeah. tough guy. Uh, so he does concern me. But I do think this is going to be a nice test for our defensive line because uh, I noticed last year that offensive line for SEMA only gave up eleven sacks in twelve games. That's a very good number. Yep. Um, one thing that I think K-State can exploit Saturday is I think SEMO's pass defense wasn't very good last year. Well, they've, they've got some things of, of concern for them, I would say, in that they've got a couple of guys starting on that offensive line that have been around three and four years, but they've never really been starters. Okay. On the other hand, they have a center in Jack Gig who – is a terrific player, a Fresno State transfer, who's one of the best at his position in the FCS. So we'll see how they really are. And their offensive line is going to have to play well here to, to be in the ballgame. Let's, let's cut to the chase and say that just the way it is. It's going to be hard for them, right? I mean, you mentioned 42 to 10 last year at Ames. And did Iowa State score 42 points the rest of the year? Yeah. Not, I don't I, think I'm you joking, added up I'm all about half joking, but, but yeah. seriously, they struggled. Um, but we'll see. I mean, K-State's better. They're deeper. All of those kind of things. And you hope that over the course of 60 minutes, you just kind of wear them down a little bit. You know, it's just the way it works. White, if you ask me to set the over-under for points Iowa State will score this year, I might set it at 42. <laughs> it's been a tough summer for Iowa State. It no sure question. has. Yeah. But uh, another thing about SEMA, I thought that was interesting. Like, all season long, they weren't ranked higher than – 15-14, and they enter the uh, preseason in the uh, FCS poll at 11. Mm-hmm. So they're expected to be a pretty big deal this year. Yeah, yeah. And again, having your quarterback back, we haven't mentioned their receivers, but they have a very, very fine receiver in Ryan Flournoy. Yep. Um, and and you know what? He's 6'2", 190-ish. He's pretty decent size. DeMaurier Vick uh, started at Missouri State. He's in there now. He's 6'3", 210. 
And then the third receiver is Dalen McDonald, who played at Southwest Mississippi Community College. They're, so they're, they're athletic and, and pretty good size at the wide receiver. The question will be, can you get in DeLoren's face and, you know, make him be off a tick or two and, you know, take one to the house or whatever. Kickoff on Saturday is, I think it's officially 6.02. It's going to be an ESPN Plus broadcast. That means Power K game day will start at 2 o'clock with Coleman Beck, Derek Young, and myself. Network coverage begins at 4 right here on News Radio KMAN. We'll take a break. We'll finish the show with uh, looking around the Big 12 next. Yo. We're used to it by now, right? Oh, for sure. doesn't surprise me anymore that a guy that walks on could be the real deal. Right. Well, I, I think a, a, a good example, too, is Seth Porter. He's not the, the biggest, most athletic, flashiest guy in the world. You want to talk about a tough dude that does everything right, can play almost all the special teams. He can play in the slot. He, I mean, he's just a good – he's undersized, yes, but he's a much better player and athlete than, than people recognize. And, I mean, he's from Texas, but his dad kicked here. And he, he's pretty typical when you think about it, kind of, you know – those long shot kind of guys that they don't care about those odds. Give me a chance. That's all I'm asking for. White, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll get to our week one preview of a K-State opponent. That first opponent out of the gate, out of the FCS, out of the Ohio Valley Conference. SEMO will take a look at the Red Hawks when we come back. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. Hey, golfers, you ready to go the distance and improve your game? 